All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George Show, and today's is a doozy. You want to know how I know? Because when I was interviewing today's special guest, I personally took four pages of takeaways, and I'm not going to share all four of them with you, but I'm going to share some of my high-level notes so you can strap in for this ride. How we went from checking boxes and big paychecks to leaving due to being unhappy. Uh, why do most of the heart-centered successful entrepreneurs and people I meet never made it through high school and college? How we went from losing everything, divorce and business destruction to a low, which created a restart point. How we went from how he healed a 13-year estranged relationship with his father, which created his path for success. Your business problem is a personal problem and how to fix it. The three mantras that this guest uses every day to be at the top of the game and as successful as he is. The secrets to leading yourself. A four-prompt journal exercise that will skyrocket your results, but only if you use them. And we share the exact journal prompts in today's episode, how you should never be a disinterested butthole, the five most important Fs that you can use when you're designing your future, how being defiant created every positive result in his life, how he gave a presentation so bad that they asked him if he was on drugs, and do you practice long enough to tame the beast energy inside of you? And so there's that plus probably a hundred more takeaways on today's episode. So I'm going to stop bumping my gums so we can get into the show. So let's cue the intro. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George Show today, and I am really, really excited uh, to have a fast friend on, somebody who I recently connected with, and we just kind of hit it off in every single bucket, and this was before I even Google stalked him to figure out what he was up to into the world, and he was just a good fit. So today, my guest, he is a two-times number one bestseller. He has shared the stage with Bob Proctor, Tony Robbins, Les Brown. He's been recognized as one of Inc. 5000's fastest growing companies in America, taking over the network marketing world. But in my opinion, one of the greatest things about him is he's an integrous father and husband, and he has a heart when it comes to people. And I believe that that's one of the biggest secrets that he's had, the success that he's had, all the way from being the darkest parts of the ashes to, for lack of better terms, rising to a phoenix and hitting the tip of the top of Mark Network Marketing World companies. He has a TV show. He does events. He has a podcast. He has an incredible team and an incredible family. And so without further ado, Ray, welcome to the show. Thank you, George. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, you're welcome. You're welcome. It's, it's really easy to do your intro. The more I find, the more I like. So I'm like stoked. Let's do a podcast. I love it. Nice. I love that. it. So um, you know, I, I will say in 300 plus episodes, I don't think I've ever even talked about network marketing ever. And really? so I'm actually kind of excited to have like a new topic on the table, but I want to give everybody some context because, uh, when I met you, I was like, God, I love this guy. He's a family guy. He's got principles. He's guiding. He's happy. He's boom. And then as I started to dig in, I was like, oh man, him and I have a lot in common. And mm. you've definitely learned some lessons through adversity and your ability to be agile and pivot. 
Uh, but can you give everybody, for everybody listening, the story of Ray, right? From how you got started in entrepreneurship, where you came, the hurdles you came through, and how you ended up where you are today. Yeah, for sure. And uh, that's that's really cool. I'm the first uh, guy associated with network marketing. That's great. Yeah, it's um, perfect. <laughs> and, uh, and so... Yeah, I mean, I think I'll start with, you know, I had worked my way up in in the corporate world to a pretty high paying salary and uh, a, de a decent paying salary, especially for someone who didn't finish high school on time, never finished college. And I realized that I just I just wasn't happy. And I looked at my boss and his boss and her boss, and none of them were happy either, having problems at home, making more money than me. But, you know, that was that just seemed like that was going to be you know, my life is just, um, you know, making a little bit more money, but not being happy. And I just didn't like that. I had some friends from high school and this was the year was 2004. And I had some friends in high school that were making tons of money in real estate. I was, I'm, I live in Naples, Florida, had some buddies crushing it in real estate, making all kinds of money. And I'm like, if those knuckleheads can do it, I can do it. <laughs> and so I, I decide for most people probably too soon to leave that kind of job with great benefits and everything. But I jump into real estate full force, do really well, uh, you know, flip hundreds of houses. I, you know, have at one point 37 rental units and um, and then the market crashes. I don't know what the hell I'm doing and I get completely wiped out. I go through a divorce, I go through foreclosure, I lose everything, I'm sleeping on my buddy's couch, and life is tough. I'm depressed, man, like deeply depressed, drinking heavily, not happy. And, um, and a friend of mine who I don't think knew, I've never actually asked him this, but I don't think he knew how bad off I was. Uh, maybe he assumed because everyone in real estate was wiped out. And um, he invited me to a network marketing meeting, which I had sworn off of. I had tried network marketing, got totally turned off, had some weird uplines that were like controlling and stuff. And, and I just, I just didn't want to do it, but here I am. No one's hiring. My credit shot. I'm dead broke. I really don't feel like I have any options. Uh, I don't understand internet marketing to the degree I understand it now. I just, I just didn't know what I was going to do. So I go to this meeting. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to figure this out. I, I'm just going to figure this out. And so <laughs> off I trod. And, you know, at first it, it wasn't like super fast success right away, but um, there were a few things that I did every day. And uh, long story short, I become the number one income earner in that company, make millions of dollars with that company, um, build out. I start because I was building on social media before most people in, in that industry. I was building, you know, on, on Facebook, I was building on YouTube and all these different things. And most people in that industry just weren't, that was like weird to them. And so when they started catching on that, that was working, people started wanting me to train them or coach them. And, you know, here I was the number one earner of a company, but I was being asked to speak for other companies. And, and so didn't intend to build a training company, but that's kind of what happened. And then in 2016, decided to focus on that. So I retired from actively building. And now I, I coach a lot of top network marketers. I speak at a lot of top network marketing events. And, uh, and I love the industry. I mean, the industry to me, uh, it's not perfect for sure. Um, and I don't even think it's the best option for a lot of people, but it's the lowest risk, lowest overhead way for the average ordinary person to start a business. 
Mm -hmm. it's also a gateway drug. And I've had this conversation with a friend, a mutual friend we have, Alex Charfin, um, who Russell, uh, Russell Brunson had me speak at one of his masterminds. And there was like a groan in the audience when they heard I was in network marketing. And, uh, and Alex was like, dude, I got to say, I wasn't excited to hear you until I, until I heard you. Mm -hmm. And, and he had me on his podcast as well. And so I'm, I'm grateful to be out here talking about an industry that really is great. It is often misrepresented. But it's it's mis it's also misunderstood because there's a lot of people that have never read a book on business, never read a book on sales, never read any kind of persuasion or any of the courses that you and I have been through. And they're out here trying to make it happen and they otherwise wouldn't be an entrepreneur. Yeah. And so I love representing the industry, um, you know, for that major fact. Yeah, man. And I I think it's a valid point, right? Like I joke about it all the time, but at the end of the day. There's shadows in every level of entrepreneurship and business, and it's really us understanding the rules of the game and then utilizing them to our advantage. And you can yeah. be heart-centered and care about people in any industry, and you can be disconnected and transactional in any industry. It just so happens that in yeah. yours, it is a very big entry point for a lot of people. And I mean, a lot of my early career too, is like whether it was MLMs or in network marketing, affiliate marketing, same things, you know, it's... Yeah. There's two sides of every game. And I love that you're at like the forefront of doing it right and representing it and turning everybody's heebie-jeebies into like, oh, you know, there is a lot here because some of the greatest companies in the world were built on network marketing that people use and love every sure. single day. So I, I love that. We can, we can clean the slate and the reputation of network marketing today and give everybody a different taste. But before right. we get too deep into that stuff, um, you know, you and I have a lot of similarities when it comes to our life story of like having everything and losing everything. And I feel like for us, it's so easy now to talk about it in hindsight. We're like, oh, yeah, I was at the low. I was living at the couch. My girlfriend was paying for my food. But some yeah. of those moments, oh, they feel like there's a 7,000 pound elephant sitting on your chest and you can't move and you can't do it. And, you know, you're somebody that strikes me as like a very, very committed but integrous person and kind of if it's up to be it's up to me but what was that like for you like in the beginning like what were some of the things that you really really focused on when everything was crashing around you and, and the reason I asked this is because given the state of the world that we live in right now business isn't as predictable as it used to be there's a lot of things constantly changing and people are getting semblances of this feeling on a daily mm -hmm. basis and it's it's something that's becoming a lot more normal and I love hearing from people of like what they practice and what they protect over everything else and how they find a direction to go in. And so what was that like for you? Like, what did you focus on? What were your practices? What was your thinking process like, especially in the very beginning when you're like, I've lost everything. I'm getting divorced. I'm sleeping on a couch. I'm, I have no yeah. money and these schmucks can do it and then I can do it. But there's that there's that starting gap. And that gap, yeah. in my opinion, is one of the scariest places ever because there's so much unknown. And so what were some of like your thought processes or practices or things that you focused on to keep yourself really excited about the potential, but give yourself the best chance for it to work? Yeah, um, it definitely didn't happen right away. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've probably spent a year of just depression and, you know doing stupid stuff, just kind of hoping for things to change, um, not taking responsibility, accountability, um, 
you know, I remember stupidly being at the nightclub and they're like, sir, your credit card declined. And I'm like, oh, must be a problem, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and it wasn't a problem. Problem was I wasn't paying it. That was the problem. You're like, and, I know uh, the problem, but I'm not going to tell you the problem. So I'm going to exactly. pretend that it's a card problem. Exactly. There's something wrong with your thing. Um, and so, you know, I, th I think, to, you know, to answer that, the, the only way I can answer that is, is kind of to tell the story that was the spark that bridged I me love going from I'm lost, confused, depressed, drinking heavily to, okay, things are going to be different. And that is, uh, I got invited, uh, someone invited me to this three-day event and I go to this three-day event and, um, and I go with the idea of, man, I hope I learn ways to make money because I need to make money. And on day two of that event, I realized that I had repair relationship with dad on a to-do list with no priority and hadn't talked to him in 13 years. He had never met my sons who at the time I think were like nine and 10 maybe. And, um, <clears throat> and I had every reason, you know, he let a lot of stuff happen that, that he shouldn't have. And, um, you know. But I asked myself, you know, how would I feel if he, if he died without me trying to make amends or trying to have a relationship with him, how would I feel? And the answer is I wouldn't feel good. Mm -hmm. Now I've told this story, you know, for, you know, quite a while now, and a lot of people have made, you know, connections with their family members or whatever, uh, but that's, that is the question, you know, maybe someone wronged you so much that if they died, you'd be like, fine, no problem. Okay, fine. I wasn't there. And so I decided on day two, I gave him a call and said, Hey, love to have a relationship with you. I know that we haven't talked in a long time. And, uh, he flew me up to Indiana where I'm from and, uh, and, and something is created out of nothing. Like I had nothing, something was created. I came back and I was different. It was like I had released resentment, anger, guilt, shame, whatever, all the, I, something was different because it was like, I was viewing the world a little differently. And it was within one week that I got invited to that meeting where I joined that network marketing company and, and went on to crush it. Now, the first time I ever shared that story was uh, like a year later. Um, uh, yeah, I think, about, I think about a year later, maybe, maybe two years later. And I had been asked to speak in Myrtle Beach. And so I go up and I'm just doing my normal thing. I'm doing my presentation. I'm doing a training. And before I do the training, I just got this overwhelming feeling. And I don't know if it was a voice. I don't know what it was, but it was just like, tell the story of your dad, which was very strange. I never had that kind of thing happen. And I'm just like, all right. And so I share this story, never shared it before. And as soon as I finish, the guy who had asked me to speak, Kenneth, he's walking down the aisle of, of the hotel room just bawling. I mean, just tears just coming out, man, like, like big time. And I'm like, dang, you know, that, that, you know, that really hit you, huh? And he said, I, I can't believe you just shared that story. I haven't talked to my dad in 17 years. And tomorrow I fly out for his funeral. And I'm like, Whoa, like that was like, it was wow. such a different feeling than I'd ever had before. And, and the conclusion from that was one, I need to be more vulnerable um, people are hurting out there. My story could be helping people. And so I, I've been sharing that story for, you know, probably 10 years, you know, 11 years now. And I have so many letters of people reconnecting with their mom, their dad, their sister, their brother. 
and several where people connect reconnected and shortly after the reconnection the other person died and and so literally they had to hear my story in a certain window or that would not have happened and so that was really the spark because i just i just showed up differently after that piece of me was gone so it was i would never i never would have suspected that but one thing i have concluded from coaching thousands and thousands of people is that your business problem is a personal problem it's some kind of conclusion that you've made it's some kind of observation you've made it's some kind of of safety feature you have uh it's a personal problem if you're not being consistent, if you're feeling stuck, if you're in, in, you know, a funk, uh, there's some personal things there. And so going within is, is some of my, you know, one of my big suggestions. Oh man. I, um, I didn't talk to my mom for 15 years, mm. 15 years. And it was at a personal development conference on night one that they asked me to stretch. And that stretch is responsible for my marriage, my family, mm. my kids, my business, wow. everything. Yeah, it's, um, mm. you know, I think, I think a lot of what you're saying is a lot of what I teach and talk about all the time. Like two big parts of it is number one is alignment, right? Like if there's holes in your game, if there's leaks in your bucket, it's hard to recognize the impact they have in our daily decisions, but they prevent us from living in our goals and our dreams and that authenticity and vulnerability. That's the burden of leadership for me. That's the most important choice that we can make every day. And I commend you for doing it and sharing it. And the more I talk to you, the more we have in common. Like I had such mm -hmm. a similar thing where uh, I'd say one pivotal moment in my life was when my wife challenged me. I was about to give a keynote and I'll never forget this day. It was uh, how to use food to create breakthrough results in your life. And I had like a three-step method because you practice eating three times a day. And right before I went on stage, she was like, are you really going to go up there and lie again? And I knew what she meant. Nobody else did. And I had a hard decision to make. And a lot of people didn't mm. know when I was at the thrux of my career, New York Times bestselling author, cookbook author, teaching health, I was still bulimic. I was still mm. actively bulimic. Wow. And I'm here teaching people how to do it, but advocating my own responsibility. And I changed that whole keynote. And I opened wow. it and I told the whole story and I had nothing to say after, but my whole life changed after that day. And I, wow. I describe that as like those moments in life that create true freedom. But in that same lens, that true freedom comes from taking personal responsibility and prioritizing those choices. And you alluded to this earlier. Um, can you talk about what it means in your lens to really take personal responsibility? Like you said, you know, your business problem is a personal problem. And that's mm -hmm. something that rings very, very true to me. But for years I struggled, I would grasp at like, well, what do I do? What's the thing I can fix? What's the course I can take? But it was always this thing that was outside of me. And it was like, I was trying to put band-aids on something. And so when you say, you know, you took personal responsibility, what do you, what do you mean by that? And what was that like for you? And now in the way that you live now, and like one of the fastest growing companies and having the sex that you have, how do you maintain that and keep that in your life as like a true testament, a tool that works for you? Yeah. Um, great question. So, you know, I ha I have, uh, I don't, I don't recall if I've shared this with you already, but I have three mantras that really run my life and two of them fall right in with what you're what you're asking. Um, mantra number one, just more of an instructional kind of thing, which is help the person you used to be, right? 
And there's a lot of people I used to be, used to be a workaholic, used to be unpresent dad, used to be, um, you know, you know, grew up with abuse, grew up with trauma, uh, been dead broke, right? There's a lot of people I used to be, but the next two are more responsibilities of, we have to be as brave as the people who need us. And so that means then that I have a responsibility to keep going when I don't feel like it so that I, I can help that person that's waiting on me to make that breakthrough. The third is let me, and you could use a lot of words for this, but let me, let me never be too busy saving strangers to neglect my own. And that's one I, you know, that's a newer one. And that's when I needed to hear, you could exchange it for, let me never be too famous. Let me never be too wealthy. Let me never be too popular. Let me never be too busy to uh, saving strangers to neglect my own. And my own for me falls under two categories and that's uh, my kids and family, uh, but also my employees Yep. because of, of how I was, you know, because of my upbringing, I've had this anti-authority, you know, kind of thing. Cause I just, any kind of authority in my life let me down. And, and so I've had, I've had this weird relationship with authority or people controlling me or, or me putting myself in an authority position and it just never worked out well. Um, you know, like I, I, I was placing when I really struggled as a parent and I have four kids, when I really struggled is I was putting myself as an authority but I really didn't have a great relationship with authority. So I just, I just wasn't very good. And I've since replaced that with mentor. Yeah. Like my, my role as, of a, as a dad, as a company owner, as a trainer is mentor. I'm here to mentor people. And for me to mentor people, I have to be, I have to get uncomfortable. I have to have uncomfortable conversations like, you know, the one that your amazing wife had with you. Okay. And that's something I learned from David Dida. A good woman will challenge you. Right. And, and so some people, they, they think that they're, especially men, they think that their spouse, you know, they're not very supportive of me. Well, maybe they're just challenging you to prepare you for what life's going to throw at you. And if you can't make it past them, then you may not be able to make it past the world either. And you're going to crash and burn even harder. And so a good woman will challenge you. So you, you got yourself, you know, a good woman there. Um, oh, and so, yeah. And, and so it's, you know, when I don't feel like going into this area of growth, I think about these responsibilities, right? My kids are watching me and am I going to achieve and be really stressed out and bummed out or, or am I not going to achieve and just hang out and go to Disney world? Right. And so like, I know that they're watching me. I'm, I'm setting a, a precedent for how they get to view life through the lens of watching me, um, as well as all the types of people that I can help helping the, the person who's achieved everything, but still feels like crap, uh, helping the person that has made tons of money and, and is super popular, but ha doesn't have joy, doesn't have fulfillment. And, and so I, I take that as deep responsibilities for me to keep showing up. I love that, man. I, ugh, I, I feel like we might've been separated at birth, but I love her. Uh, <laughs> Cause same, same thing with authority, right? Like I was like, I went from broken home to United States Marine Corps, which is the most toxic authority that exists in the space. Mm. And when yeah. I started building teams and running companies, there was like this dictator energy 
that was lacking every foundation required to be a leader. And it was do what I say, mm. not what I do. And, you know, it sounds like similar, like these mantras are absolutely yeah. incredible because they go so much deeper than the transaction. They go so much deeper than the job. They go straight to the person. And when yeah. you can invest in people and care about people, their job is incredible. They do incredible work. They create incredible performances. But it's one of the most powerful ways to lead is to really be a student. I had a, I had a wise shaman say to me a long time ago, I think you'll appreciate this. He said, uh, a student says, I already know. And a master says, thanks for the reminder. Mm, and it's nice. a very, very powerful sentiment. And I love that. And so now when you think about that, would it be fair to say that when you're in the day to day of running your business, when you're in meetings with your team, when you're in meetings with your clients, that you focus on those mantras first and then the work comes second. Like you focus on developing this relationship and really mentoring and guiding and learning. And then that's where the relationship is established. Is that is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to do everything in my power to help the person. And I'm going to do everything in my power to learn how to better help the person. And, and that's one of the reasons I was so intrigued, you know, when I interviewed you yep. and you dropped just the, you know, atomic megaton bomb on us about customer journey. And we're like, oh my God, we absolutely should be doing that. And we want to do that. And that's crazy that, you know, we're not, we were doing the best job we could based on 100%. what we knew, but I have a relentless pursuit of how, how do we get better at helping others? And, um, and, and the such such a powerful conversation with you uh that has uh is in the process of helping us do that at a bigger level yeah and and i think i think you've even alluded to this just on today's show and and knowing your story as well like one of the things that i love about you is that it you're you have this willingness to adapt and to take a step in that direction right and and i feel like in life i feel like in business uh, this was actually at a David Dieta course, by the way, so you'll appreciate this. There was this conversation about integrity, right? And I feel like this is the best definition of integrity that I've ever heard. And he said, a lot of people operate thinking that everything in their life is in integrity. But the truth is, is that the moment we wake up, everything in our life is out of integrity and we spend the day working to bring it back into integrity. And mm. I feel like that's a very, very, because there's no set it and forget it, right? Like the old infomercials, the Ron Norman right. guy or whatever, like the set it, forget it. It's a, oh, yeah. how can I lead my team one step deeper today? How can I invest in my customer one step deeper today? How can I deepen my marriage one more step today? How can I deepen the relationship with myself one step yeah. deeper today? And, and I love that about you so, so, so much. So in this lens of like you being a mentor and you leading your team and you coaching thousands and thousands and speaking to hundreds of thousands of people over the course of your career, how do you lead and mentor yourself? Hmm. Um, so I, I'm pretty, and I, I love that by the way, the integrity, cause I, that's absolutely what I do. So, um, you know, I'm a, uh, a student of, and have now become friends with, uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. And yep. so I do, um, I do his meditations daily. Um, yep. I'm actually in the process of going through his certification program to teach his, uh, neuro change solutions, uh, information, uh, because I just think it's so powerful and impactful and more people need, you know, need to know it. And, um, 
and he's speaking at our, our event next month, which is super cool. Um, and so every day I'm doing a meditation and that, and that varies, um, you know, some days it's an hour, some days it's, it's 90 minutes. Um, but I do at least an hour meditation every single day. And I've done that for, um, almost two years, I think now. And, and so I set an intention. What am I hoping to get out of this meditation, do the meditation. And then from there, um, I, I'll, I have a 10 minute stretching routine. I'll go to the gym, um, not for a long time, but I go for a little bit. And then one thing that really speaks to what you were saying is I do a morning journaling process and it consists of four steps. And so number one, just kind of like, a, you know, how, how am I feeling right now? Right. Just kind of overall, that's category number one. Category number two, which I think is is this has been absolutely life changing for me. This has been such a big deal. How do I not want to show up today? How do I not want to think, act and feel, which forces me to do an audit of the day before? And so I literally look at the day before and I ask, did I get agitated, irritated, annoyed? Was I unkind? Was I not present? Did I not play big? And so I look at the day before and, and it's had me realize some things. It's had me, I remember, you know, that audit I looked at, uh, you know, one day I, f I flew into Vegas and I uh, was speaking at an event and, you know, and I was tired. It was late. And the guy behind the counter was, was, you know, super nice. And like asking me questions, I'm just like, yeah. and, and that audit, I actually realized I'm like, you know, that's a human being right there. And it's not that I was mean. I'm, I'm just not a mean guy, but I was disinterested. I just didn't care. I don't want to show up that way. Mm -hmm. You know, what if that, what if that guy's suicidal? I mean, I used to be suicidal, yep. right? I mean, I got Baker acted, right? And so like, like, what if that guy's suicidal? What if, what if that guy just found out his daughter has cancer and, and I'm just some disinterested butthole, right? That he's got to deal with. And so it's caused me, you know, and there's been times where I've realized that, you know what? I could, you know, my wife had a rough day yesterday. I could have been nicer to her. And, and so what I've noticed, and I'm on, I've been doing this now, I'm looking at my journal for 95 days. Um, so for 95 days, I've done this every day. And, and so um, it's really helped me to catch things faster and, and, and to spend less time in states of being that I don't want to be in. Mm -hmm. it, it has not eradicated all bad behavior no. <laughs> because every day I still catch something I could have been better at. And I don't beat myself up. I don't dwell on it, but I'm just like auditing. Okay. I don't want to do that. Some days, you know, I've lost, you know, 30 pounds over the last, you know, couple of years. Uh, some days I overeat, right? I don't want to overeat. I, I didn't have to have that last, you know, 15 pieces of pizza or whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so category two, what I don't want to do category three, how do I want to show up? How mm -hmm. do I want to think, act and feel? And, and so, um, there are a couple I write every single day. I want to be kind, present, and loving, right? That's, that's one I put in there every single day without fail. Um, I want to play big. I want to be a good mentor. I want, you know, it can vary by the day. And then category four is what will I do today that exemplifies those things? So that's kind of earning the integrity, like you're talking about, right? Earning the integrity of who I want to be. And, and so there are certain steps in there that, that, that have to be done and I got to earn them. And, and so that's, uh, you know, definitely one of my practices. And, and the last one, you know, is, uh, before bed every night, I do a nighttime visualization that can vary. 
my most, uh, my favorite one that I do the most opt often is I have a future conversation based on all I've accomplished. And, and I cover the, what, what, um, I cover the five F's. Okay. And so that's, um, um, faith, family, finance, fitness, fun. And I have a future conversation five years from now, 10 years from now, sometimes it's two weeks from now, if I have an event like coming up or something, and I share with a friend, what are the things that I've accomplished? What are the things I'm proud of that are, it's just, it's just living in that vibration of that future self and, and owning that it's kind of, it's kind of mind trickery here where you're, it's a future conversation, but you're saying things you've already done. So it's, it's kind of, you know, tricking the mind there for you to carry that vibration of what you've already accomplished. It's, it's like a mental rehearsal. It's a very basic mental rehearsal kind of thing. And, and for everybody listening, probably single-handedly the most powerful practice that you can have on a day-to-day -day basis. It's huge. It's, it doesn't matter like what world I've lived in, whether it was personal development, like 2008, 2009, consciousness work, plant medicine work, uh, mm. behavioral psychology, cognitive processing therapy. It all shares this one component. Uh, Benjamin Hardy, wow. I think, did an incredible job talking about it in his book, Personality is Impermanent. Uh, and then mm. Nicole Lapera, who's the holistic psychologist, she has a book called Do the Work. And a lot of it's all based around this self-healing mm. psychology of protecting progress, but envisioning your future self and holding yourself accountable. Right. And, and we were joking about this earlier, but like having a good wife that challenges you, you know, yeah. one of your mantras of like help the person I used to be. Well, it's really easy to tell when I'm being the person I used to be because my wife demands the future me. And she checks me nice. and it's, it's one of the greatest things ever. And I'm going to selfishly ask a question that's very, very rhetorical, but I think it carries so much power. So would you say that, uh, those practices are probably one of the most profound impacts that you've had on your success and the discipline to keep them versus when you didn't have them? No question. I mean, yeah. there's absolutely no question. Like I'll, I'll, I'll run into people and, that haven't like even seen me, you know, for like a year yep. and, and they're just like, they're, they're kind of looking at me like, like they're, there's something you can tell that there's something like they're wondering what is different about this guy? Like something's yep. different. And yep. if I haven't seen you in three years, we've literally never met. Yep. And, and so it's, uh, it's, a, it's interesting. It's, it's transformed me. Um, you know, my, my wife and I, I, I didn't even realize this, but we were at breakfast, um, uh, probably six, eight months ago or something like that. And she says to me, she goes, you know, you used to get pretty triggered, uh, pretty often. I used to kind of tiptoe, you know, I kind of walked on eggshells around you cause I really didn't know what was going to trigger you. And I never knew how great of a man you could be. Mm. And she said, you know, you've never, you've always been a good guy, but I never knew how great of a man you could be. And, uh, I mean, I'm going to, ah, I'm going to cry here, but you know, there literally is no better compliment anyone on the planet could possibly say to me, there's literally no award, no trophy, no nothing that, that would be more meaningful than that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that combined with, uh, how much more, you know, present I am, you know, with the kids. Um, I, I mean, I used to be that guy and I didn't know why I now know why, but I used to be that guy that we'd, you know, I'd play with them two to four minutes. I got to do something on my phone. Yep. Right. And totally check out. And, and so that just, uh, you know, that's just not the case anymore.
Yeah, man, I, I really, I really do think we need to do a DNA test, um, but we'll leave that one for another <laughs> funny day because it's the same comments from my wife that have filled my bucket of like, you were unsafe, yeah. you were a liability. I never felt safe with you. And I'm like, but I'm doing mm. all of the things. Wow. That was the problem is that I was doing everything and I wasn't being anywhere. I wasn't present. Wow. I wasn't there. Powerful. Everything was on tilt. There was always a something else going on. And, you know, somebody asked me on a podcast the other day and they're like, you've done every therapy, every modality, you've invested seven figures in it. If you could go back in time to the very beginning and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? And I said, I would tell myself to spend more time alone because that was mm. the piece that I missed the whole time. I was trying to mm. out learn this or out practice this or learn this way to speak. I'd go to NLP and then I had a new language. I'd go to personal development and I had a new bias and I could speak the language better than anybody. The problem was I was speaking and I wasn't being it. And it was because I never integrated that with myself. And so when I hear you talk about practices and for everybody listening to this, I hope I sound like a big fucking broken record, but there is a massive correlation between your willingness to have a deep integrous relationship with yourself and the yes. results that by default handle themselves around you. Your team works better. Your customers respond better. I've had, I literally at a conference four days ago, somebody came up and introduced themselves to me who I've known for 12 years and I haven't mm. seen them in four. And he's like, Hey man, just want to say, hi, my name's Larry. I'm like, Larry, I have your phone number. It's George. And he's like, you look different. What? And like my way of being and how I communicate. Right. And, and I wow. really boil it down to having the willingness to invest in ourselves and even to close this to what we said earlier is like taking that personal responsibility, right? Yeah. And finding wow. that spot. And uh, you alluded to this with Joe Dispenza. His stuff is incredible. His meditations are incredible. His work is incredible. Um, Keith Cunningham was the first one that got me in the face with his book, The Road Less Stupid. And mm. one of my favorite reads, I read it or listen to it like once a year uh, because he's got a truck driver mouth and I appreciate that. But this concept of like thinking time, Right. And this concept of thinking time is really training our autonomic nervous system when things get hard, when life is broken, when things are overwhelming, when we're getting undesirable feedback to pause the reaction and give ourselves time to process and choose how right. we respond. And in the totally. world that we live in right now, you and I know this, there'll never be a lack of attention that's calling our name, whether it's social Absolutely. or business or meetings or strategies or tactics. And so it's very edifying to hear you speak about this and, and seeing it in, in real life and knowing you on this side, I, I think it's an incredible gift. And so I will give kudos like your wife, give kudos, like fucking thank you for doing the work and being the example, because you're an incredible man, man. Like just, it's an, it's you, an honor and a privilege. Um, yeah. Real quick before I ask the next question, just so it's in one succinct place, can you give me those four journal prompts again with what they are so everybody listening can like write them down? Yeah. So just, uh, number one, just, just overall, how, how am I feeling? And I, I don't, this is not a long process, right? Yeah. I mean, this is yeah. one, two, three lines for number one, number two, how do I not want to show up? How do I not want to think, act and feel? And the reason I use that, that specific terminology is, you know, you know, Dr. Joe Dispenza, he says your personality creates your personal reality and your personality is made up of how you think, how you act and how you feel. And so I, that's, that's the specific language, you know, that I use. How do I not want to think, act and feel? How do I not want to show up? 
And then number three, how do I want to show up? Setting the intention for the day. And then number four is, okay, what will I do to show up? What are the action steps? What are the big plays? Um, and I'm not, I don't list out, you know, everything, but I list out, you know, the things that are, that, that are big movers. If I do these things, then this will be a day of integrity. This will be a day, you know, where I do show up the way I want to. I love it, man. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so powerful. I mean, even Jim quick, dear friend of mine, he told me this like eight years ago in his apartment at like midnight. And he's like, here's your problem. You have the best intentions ever, but your subconscious programming is making decisions that aren't aligned with your conscious thinking. And he's mm -hmm. like, and what are you doing to flex those muscles another way? And what are you yeah. doing to tune into them and to set your intention for them? And you know, it's funny, you and I have so many similar practices, but like in the morning, the first thing I write down is a statement about the man that I want to be today. And that's mm. it. It's three words every day. It's three adjectives. And my, my default one is I'm a loving, passionate, trusting man. But depending on the day nice. and how I feel, sometimes it's integrous. Sometimes it's giving. Sometimes it's present. Sometimes it's solitude. And just really setting my intention to align my day that way. I I think it's uh, a very, very deep lost art that the more people remember and practice, the faster everything kind of comes to fruition for them. Yeah. And so I love that. Now I'm going to uh, shift gears a little bit, but in, in all of this, you know, journey to where you are now, and you know, I, I see the difference you make it. And let me give kudos again for everybody listening to this. I did a live video with Ray for his podcast. And I was like, oh, this is great. Like I do my normal steal. And I'm like, I can't wait to connect with these people. You have a cult of amazing human beings because I didn't get like five messages or 10 messages. No, I got hundreds and yeah. hundreds of messages of yeah. people that are like, I love Ray. This was incredible. Way to connect. And they all shared one very big thing in common. They just cared. There was no, yeah. what can I get from you? What can I give to you? There was no transactions. There was no pitches. It was just like the most homely loving like gift that I could ever receive. And my bucket has been full since that day. And I know that that's a testament to like the work that you do. And so now when you think back through like all of this, like you've been at the bottom, you've been almost bankrupt, you've lost it all, you've been divorced, you've been unpresent as a father, like thinking back on that now, like what is like for you, like what is like your proudest moment or the thing that you are most excited about that you have achieved and now you get to give back? Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, honestly, like, I, th I think the biggest challenge for me and the biggest and, and the most proud is how I've shifted as a dad. Yeah. Um, you know, cause I have, I have, you know, in my first marriage, I had, you know, two boys. So I have a 25 year old, a 24 year old. And then I have, you know, my, I've now been married, uh, it'll be 11 years this year. Um, and Jessica and I have a, uh, uh, soon to be seven-year-old daughter who's my firecracker and, uh, my uh, three-year-old boy. And, and so people ask, so like, well, you know, how was parenting, you know, second time around? And I didn't the first time around, I, I just worked all the time. I was non-present. Yeah. I bought toys here and there, but like, I just, I just didn't know how to connect. I didn't know how to be present. I didn't know how to be a good dad. And, you know, I, it was interesting when I taught my daughter how to ride her bike and, you know, it was like, you know, and she, you know, she started riding and it's just like, I started crying 
because I was happy for her, but I was also proud of me. I'm yeah. like, yay, like I, I, I did something. And, and, you know, to some, this may sound, you know, crazy, but I, I don't remember one time my dad playing with me, not one, not one time. And, uh, and I was with him, you know, until I was 12. Yep. And, and so like to see, you know, to see, you know, being so much more involved with my kids now, and, and now I've made amends with my older kids and, you know, and we, you know, we're all, uh, have a much better relationship than ever before. I think that's, that's the greatest gift. It wasn't sharing the stage with Tony. It wasn't hitting a million dollars a year, day, month, you know, none, none of that. All of that is great. Like that was awesome, but that didn't, that didn't hit my, my joy meter. That didn't hit my fulfillment meter. That didn't hit my happy meter. None of that, none of the material stuff made me any happier at all. Changing the relationship of how I show up as a dad, that has been extremely meaningful, mm. uh, to overcome, to break the cycle, to, to change, um, something so core to me. Um, that's, that's been the greatest thing. Yeah, man. I, I, I get it. I, I remind myself often that all those wins are results of the inputs that I've changed. Like the money comes when I change yeah. who I am as a man, you know, and I, I've been, I've been bullish on the last couple of years of, and I, I even talk about on this podcast about measuring myself based on the integrity of my inputs, not the value of the results. And mm, it's, it's a big, nice. big part. And, and I, and I love that. And, and I was going to ask you this earlier, but now's a perfect time. So, so what I hear is like an undertow in almost everything that you say is this innate ability to not ruminate, to not collect evidence, to not collect guilt and shame and fault and blame, but to find clarity and then take an appropriate action that would allow you to potentially create a different result. And I know for me, a lot of times, you know, I would be stuck and I would just sit there stuck. And rather than, you know, oh, I want to lose 10 pounds, I would feel so overwhelmed that I'd be like, well, what book can I read? What video can I watch? And really all I had to do is to put on my walking shoes and go for a 10 minute walk. But that gap felt insurmountable at times. And you mm -hmm. seem to speak with it about such ease and you have this willingness to attack the problem head on or create a solution. And so I feel like that's ingrained into your DNA at some level, but I also feel like it's something that you've gotten good at to not allowing things to just ruminate and to sit there. So can you talk about that for a minute? Because I, I feel like for you in noticing what I know and just knowing a little bit about you that I know, uh, like agility is a word that we can throw around, but for me, it's even deeper. I feel like you have this deep willingness to reinvent yourself and rather than wait and plan, you take an action to at least give yourself the chance. And I think it's one of the most powerful things that I witnessed. So I'd love for you to riff on that. Yeah, it, com it comes down to, um, and I don't even think you know this, but like, you know, my next, my next book, it's not even with a publisher yet, but my next book is on defiance mm -hmm. and defiance has been every major, I can trace every major breakthrough in my life to some level of defiance. So, you know, the first time I ever spoke in front of a tiny group, I was so bad. I was working, I was, I was working for a county government and, uh, and I was just a lowly, you know, project manager and my boss asked me to, Hey, give a, give an update on the project to the, to the team here. And there was like seven people. And I'm like, what? And you're like, oh, no, no, no. And, uh, you know, like three days I didn't sleep. I read books on idiots guide to presenting and like, I'm, you know, just a mess. 
And so I do it. And one of the things that every speaking book said, and I, I, I read, you know, at least two, maybe three, they said, if you screw up, no one will know. I'm like, yay. And afterwards she pulls me in her office and I really respect her. And I, res you know, she, I really looked up to her. She was super smart. And uh, she pulls me in her office and she goes, Ray, uh, are you on drugs? <laughs> That's how bad it was. I mean, I developed a stutter. I spilled water on myself. Like I was a mess. And I remember I'm sitting in the parking lot. I had this forest green Hyundai Sonata and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to leave. I'm just not going to come back. And I, I'm, they all know I'm an idiot now. I'm just not going to come back. And there was a piece of me that was like, no, you got to get better at this. And so instead I drove to the local college and said, put me in every speaking class you have. And within like two years, I was speaking on the Vegas strip, very weird transition there. Um, <laughs> but if I look at like literally everything, I mean, with meditation, I, I started that and I was so bad at it. I mean, I'm just like fidgeting, I'm like stretching, standing up and, you know, I'm just like, I don't think meditation's for me. And, and I realized you have to tame the animal. You have to tell the animal to calm down. You have to tell the animal I'm in control, not you. Um, when I started ballroom dancing with, you know, with my wife, I was horrible. They're like, Ray, do you hear the rhythm? It goes, doom, da, da, doom. Like, do you hear it? Can you hear that? You hear the down? It's like a down, right? You, you know, when things are up, it's a down. Ray, were you in an accident? Do your hips move or can you move? No. Just try to move your hips. I'm just like, I think they move. And, uh, and then, you know, you fast forward and, you know, we came in first place and in, in, in two different dances in our division. And it was just like, just, just this being defiant of what I'm scared of. I got to do if it's going to grow me, um, what I don't want to do, if it's going to grow me, I got to do it. That was my story with cold showers. I hated them. Oh, I'm me like, too. Oh, scared for me. I got to do it. And, yeah. and so it's that noticing incongruencies in my life, right? When I realized how bad my social anxiety was, I'm like, I got to figure this thing out. And, and I realized it actually came from, not that you have to know your origin story in my opinion, but it actually, I figured mine out. It came from, uh, in the third grade, a guidance counselor betraying me. And, yeah. you know, I, and, you know, I, I shared with her all my, you know, different abuses and things like that. And she thought they were so outrageous that they couldn't possibly be true. And that I was just trying to get more attention. So she shared that with my parents who, you know, beat the hell out of me. And, and that was the day I stopped trusting anybody. And mm -hmm. so that's why, uh, I remember being in the funnel hacking live lobby, talking to people that I had befriended and I started hyperventilating and I, and that was, I was supposed to speak, you know, here in, in a short period of time, I'm supposed to speak on stage in front of, you know, 5,000 people and I'm hyperventilating in the, in the lobby. I go back to my hotel room to calm down. And that was all because as soon as I felt like people were connecting to me on a personal level, I started freaking out. And that means, cause that means they'll betray me. And it's just like you said, that was all subconscious stuff. Yep. And so, you know, just realizing patterns, what am I afraid of? What don't I want to do that I know will grow me? Why am I showing up that way? That's being defiant. And, and that's really where I've had all my breakthroughs. Yeah, man. I, you, you said this earlier when you were talking about your mantras, um, when you were describing one of them, you're like, help the person I used to be like, even if I don't feel like it. Right. And, yeah. and as much as we like just said it really quickly that even if I don't feel like it is probably the greatest principled lesson in success and life and entrepreneurship. And, and 
apparently my whole podcast should be dedicated to my wife because every piece of wisdom in my body and my brain comes from her. <laughs> um, but in the lens of marriage and relationships, she, she made a statement to me many years ago when things were on the rocks, we were separated. Like I was living mm -hmm. in hotel rooms and, uh, she said, she looked me down in the eye and she said, your problem is you think commitment is feelings, but the truth is that commitment is not feelings. Commitment mm. is regardless of how I feel, Dang. I'm going to be integrous with my word. And wow. I would get it tattooed on me if it wasn't already tattooed in my brain. Um, but it's something that I've never forgotten. And hearing you speak and hearing you practice, it's I've come to a similar standing point in my life where it's like, okay, the more I suck at, the more opportunity I have to practice things to get better. But I can yeah. sit here and plan it all day. I can think about it all day. I can poke holes in it all day, but nothing changes unless it changes. And no. even, even now as a 39 year old male, who's accomplished everything in his life about eight weeks ago, uh, my landlord invited me to play racquetball with him and all of his old guy friends. And I used to play racquetball all the time, but only in the Marine Corps, right? It was just an ego fest of who could hit the ball harder. Uh, but I always really enjoyed it. And, uh, I went one Tuesday ago, probably eight weeks ago. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go every Tuesday. I'm in town for a year just to see, just to push. And there were three of us. And now there's eight of us. And every Tuesday night I get humbled by these 65 year old retirees that are geometry masters and make me run <laughs> around, chase my tail, laser guided <laughs> while playing racquetball. And you know, they're always like, well, we have to be good because you'll out hustle all of us and you're learning and this is fun. And as simple as it sounds, like I'm getting my cardio in, but it feels so good to be humbled and to learn and to constantly be learning. And I think that's what I've unlocked is to be like one of the big, the big ways to grow in life is to pursue those things and to strengthen my weaknesses and not collect evidence. Like none of us are perfect. Like we weren't born no. speakers. We weren't born entrepreneurs, right? Like right. there's no manual for parenting, right? You can read all the books you want. And then the moment you change a diaper and get urine in your eye, you're like, this yeah. wasn't in the book. Yeah. And my wife's like, you didn't use the PPTP? I'm like, what the fuck is a PPTP? <laughs> and then she comes in one day and she's like, these codes. I'm like, that's what those are for? And she's like, yeah, when you take his diaper off, put it on his penis. And I was like, oh, well, I just took pee to the face. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. We're, we're here now. That's but awesome. I love it, man. Like, I love listening to you talk about it and seeing it embodied. And we have so many similarities. Um, and I love that, like, we kind of got to talk about network marketing, but I love all of these yeah. principles that apply across the board, cry across the board. So uh, before I ask you my last question, because I want to respect yeah. your time, uh, I'm a big fan. I follow you on all the socials now. Mm -hmm. You're stuck with me until you get a restraining order, uh, which has <laughs> happened uh, because I stalk really well. Uh, but where is the best place for everybody to connect with you, to find you. I know you have a challenge coming up, which I'm really excited about because I lent you some wisdom on, on a, how to crush yep. that one, but give everybody the, give everybody the, the stage is yours, how awesome you are, where they can find you, connect <laughs> with you. And if you don't, I will. So I'm, I'm yeah. giving you the invitation. Yeah. So, um, I mean, one, you know, we're, you know, we're excited. We have an annual event, you know, that we do, yep. and I don't know when this will, you know, come out, but we have, um, what's called Rank Makers Live, and that's in Orlando in October. We have Dr. Joe Dispenza, Russell Brunson. We have a bunch, bunch of rock stars in, in, you know, in, from our space, in the network marketing space, Stormy Wellington, Gloria Mayfield-Banks, and um, you know, just, just a lot. It's a three-day event, super transformational and, and awesome. Um, so you know, we, we have that, and then we have uh, 
I do post a lot on, on Instagram. We do a lot of reels. Um, we have a YouTube channel. Um, and I don't a lot, I do have a lot of, um, non network marketing people that, that follow me. I have a lot of real estate people, a lot of insurance people. You know, I talk a lot about sales, closing transformation, just sharing, you know, sharing the journey of, of, you know, personal transformation, changing habits, et cetera. And, uh, and so I would say, uh, you know, Instagram, YouTube, and, uh, you know, in our event would be, you know, three ways. Yeah. And is the easiest place. Is it all links from your homepage? Yeah. 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 So it's rayhigdon.com. Rayhigdon.com. Yeah. So R-A-Y-H-I-G-D-O-N.com. And, and I'll say yes. this, uh, everything he teaches and posts, it doesn't matter if it's network marketing, consulting, e-com, it all applies. It's principle-based mm -hmm. and the content's absolutely incredible. So I oh, highly thanks. recommend. And uh, I don't think we have overlapping event dates, but we're really close. And we are close. So yeah. 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 If you're not coming to some, some people are that were coming to mine are now coming to yours. I'm like, I understand. It's cool. I, and well, and here's the deal. If you're not coming to mine, get your ass to raise because we'll, we'll be <laughs> co-creating simultaneously in the Joe That's Dispenza right. world of like enlightenment for everybody. And right. then Ray right. and I will make sure from this point on, since he's most likely going to speak at mine and I'm most likely going to speak at his, that we will, Absolutely. we'll have complimentary, complimentary yes. events. We might even use the same space and do them back to back. So you can come to one place and nice. one time. So uh, I, like I love that, man. So I, I want to end with this one and, and I'm really excited to hear your answer to this one. I ask everybody, but uh, I have a feeling we're in for store. So uh, you've seen Men in Black, right? The movie with Will Smith. So yes. here's my here's my premise. I want you to imagine that everybody listening or watching this just got Men in Black and they didn't hear any of the episode. But you have the ability in this moment to tattoo a piece of wisdom on their soul that they will take with them for the rest of their life. What mm -hmm. would your tattoo wisdom be? Hmm. Um, I would say, I mean, if, if I had, if I had to do it, I would say help the person you used to be. Well, I yeah. guess they're men in black. They've lost everything or just everything from this if interview. Their memories. You're just giving, you're getting, they can remember who they used to be for all context. <laughs> <every> question. <laughs> all context so I, I would say help the person you used to be because it, it makes, it makes your life so simple. People that yep. they, I've seen sp people spend eight years trying to find their brand, but they were traumatized as a kid. Mm -hmm. Fucking help that kid. Yeah. Help that, help that person. Right. Yep. Like it's, it's not, it's let's not, and all that is, is camouflage anyway. Right. Yep. Overthinking, perfectionism, procrastination, all of that stuff is camouflage to hide your paradigm in your subconscious. That's keeping you nice and safe and nice and disconnected from others. Yep. And so instead understand, yeah, you might get betrayed again. I might get betrayed again, but you know what? It'll be their loss. Yep. And so help the person you used to be, that would, that would be my number one thing. Yeah, man. I, 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 one of my favorite things that I heard you say, like, that's the mantra that keeps me going every single day. I fuck, I even helped the person I was yesterday because, you know, I was, I was a B plus husband yesterday and I'm like, great today I'm, I'm rocking an A. So let me go help those B pluses. It's, it's uh, and, and even in our, our shared world of like personal development, you know, one of their big core mantras that always landed for me uh, was there like your biggest problem is you keep expecting all of these things. But the secret is to give away what you want to get. Mm. If you want to be happy, give away happiness. If you want to be yeah. abundant, give away abundance. If you want to be connected, give away connection. And, and it took me probably five years to understand what that meant. But yeah. to not be the uh, undistractable, what did I write down? Oh, to not be the disinterested butthole. 
Uh, yes. It's the easiest way to get myself or anybody out of stagnation. Yeah. Find a person who you can serve with what you want to get and give that away. And so I love that, man. I mean, this episode was, I have literally four pages of notes of just like takeaways wow. left and right over here. And it was an awesome. absolute honor. It was a gift for everybody listening. Uh, I'm going to give you the same caveat I give when I'm on other podcasts. Uh, the biggest disrespectful thing you can do is listen and do nothing. And shelf help doesn't create results. But this thing was loaded with mm. principles and steps and tactics and strategies to help you embody and become who it is you want to be. So whether it's adding one journal prompt, whether it's adding meditation, whether it's finding more ways to add fun and joy into your life, whether it's connecting with your team or customers on a different level, whether it's making it deeper than the transaction, the most important thing you can do is pick one thing and give it a chance to succeed. Doing it one time nice. for one day isn't going to work. Give it a chance to win. Practice it. Put it into practice. And you'll end up at a conference with Ray and I and we'll reintroduce ourselves because we don't recognize the person that you are. And that's, I think, one of the most incredible things. So, man, uh, this is an honor. I could do this all day with you for hours and hours and hours. Uh, I would run out of questions, but I would just let you speak anyways. And so <laughs> from the bottom of my heart, man, thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing yeah. your wisdom. Thank you for blessing my listeners. I, I genuinely appreciate it. Thank I am honored. Thank you. I appreciate it. And you're I welcome. love it. And everybody listening, do me a favor and go professionally internet stock Ray and fill his bucket. Uh, you have my permission to appropriately slide into his DMs, whether it's a thank you, whether this meant this, uh, but give him some love and, and send it back that way. And so, Ray, it's always an honor. You have a home on the podcast. Anytime you want to come back, I'm awesome. sure we'll be talking about defiance because that topic lights me the fuck up and I can't yeah. wait for that one to come out. So schedule yeah. me in like slot one of book tour. For that, right. for that podcast, man. So <laughs> uh, for everybody listening, this is another episode of the Mind of George Show. So remember, relationships will always beat algorithms. And the most important one is the one with yourself. So I'll either see you in the next episode or you will hear me in your earballs. But either way, it's time for the outro. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Mind of George Show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.